Masechet Nedarim, Daf Ayin Aleph. We're going to be talking about a very interesting case about a Na'adama or Rasa. She makes a vow when her groom is alive. He dies and she remarries, does Kiddushin with a second man on the very same day that she made a vow. And this is going to make an important difference. It's going to relate to what we saw in these Pesukim, where the second paragraph here, if you read it according to the Peshat, um, it, mean, it sounds like when a woman does Kiddushin or gets married to a man, then he can annul all the vows that she had previously, even ones that she made a while ago. All right, that's just what the words sound like. She is with a man and she has vows upon her, something that she said, and she, which made a prohibition upon herself. Then, her husband, when he hears that, he can undo those vows. That is the Peshat. However, we saw that the Midrash takes this as meaning that when she is still in her father's house, it requires, and she makes a vow on that day and only on that day, uh, then you require the husband the groom, uh, and the father to annul the vow. But it can only happen on that day, not anything that happened beforehand. All right, so that's, that we're still continuing with this reading, except that here is one case where a new husband can annul the vows of a that she made previously before he did Kiddushin, before he, did, he came on the scene, if she made those vows on the very same day of the Kiddushin when, when she was Mikudeshet to another husband. That's what our Mishnah is teaching. Nadra Behi Arusa. A girl, a 12-year-old, makes a vow uh, when with, uh, she is Mikudeshet to a groom. Her father is alive. She's in her father's house. She makes a vow. So at that point, uh, you would need both of them to annul it. But here's the thing, she gets divorced on that very day, and she remarries on that very day, even if she does this a hundred times, right? I don't know, she's very picky, and she gets, uh, uh, um, she gets fed up with each guy after a few minutes, divorces him, I'll take someone else, divorce him, take someone else. Um, and she made a vow with the first guy, uh, in order to annul that vow, uh, you would be required that the father, of course the father, same father all along, and the last husband will annul the vow that she made when she was married to the first husband. And this is the rule. Uh, the point of the rule here is that the father is always going to be involved uh, unless right, uh, she left her uh, and went uh, to be in her own jurisdiction, even if it was only for a short time. Um, but if she did not leave and go to her own jurisdiction at all during that at any point, then you need the father and the husband to uh, both join together to annul the vow. Uh, for example, when would this not be true? If she did kiddushin and nisuin with uh, with uh, with a husband, right? She was she was fully married to a husband, even if it was only for a few minutes, and she got divorced. At that point, since she was uh, outside the domain of her father, then even when she gets divorced, her father remains 
out uh, out of the picture and she doesn't need her father to annul, annul it anymore. But as long as she was never, um, uh, or if she got, or she got older, if she uh, passed a 12 and a half year mark, but as long as she's under 12 and a half and she never did the Nisuin, uh, the father and the husband both are required to annul her vow. All right, that is the law of the Mishnah we're going to ask. How do we know this law that's in the beginning of the Shema, uh, of the beginning of the Mishnah, that the last groom uh, is required and can undo the vow of the first groom? So he's learning from this right? If she will be with a man and she already has nedarim. So that means these are prior nedarim. This is good because this is exactly the Peshat reading, right? A simple reading is talking about vows that she had upon herself previously. So this is good that we're giving a chance for the for the Peshat understanding to have an application in Halakha, although we're limiting it to something a vow that she made on this on the very same day that she does Kiddushin with this last guy. Okay, now we ask, Wait, how do you know this applies to all cases? Maybe it'll only apply to cases where the vow was not known to the first groom, since it was not never presented, never known to the first groom, so he never had authority over its nullification. Because the first groom never had authority over its nullification, maybe only in that case, uh, the last groom, once he knows about it, okay, so he's the first groom that knows about the vow, that this vow that she made on that day. And that's why that last groom has the ability and is required um, if you want to, if you want it to be annulled, it has to, he that he has the authority over it. Um, but if it, uh, 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 but if it was known to the first groom, then maybe you'd say once the first groom knows about it, then that becomes his authority and uh, it remains his. Now that he died, we know it's a machloket betil bet We'll see in a second whether it fully goes back to the father or not. But maybe in that case, it would certainly not go back. Uh, it would not transfer to a future groom. In other words, when the first groom never heard about it, so then she him, she made a vow on that day. The first groom never heard about it. He is divorced or he dies. So he's that picture anyway. And so now she gets married, married, married. The last groom that she is met, that she does kiddushin with. Um, now he hears about it, so he's the first groom to hear about it. That makes sense that he should have then authority to annul it. But if the first groom had already heard about it and then and then divorced or died, then why would you think that the last groom now gains the authority that the first groom has? So we learn that from the word aleha, kedayeterahu. The word aleha is an extra word um, because you can see from the Pesukim that you would already know from the rest of it, anything she said that made a prohibition upon herself previously, sounds like before the Kiddushin. So the word Aleha, you would know that uh, the word Aleha also means that it was upon her even before she came in. So since we have this extra word Aleha, that's how we learn that in all cases, whether the first groom knew about it or didn't know about the vow, the last groom um, would be uh, needed 
and he uh, uh, would be needed and would have the authority to annul the vow uh, together with the father. All right, good. That was all the statement of Shemuel. Shemuel actually only said the first half, but the, uh, then the, the, the Talmud um, uh, derived that it would work in all cases. All right, now we have Tanya Kivate de Shemuel. We can back up Shemuel's statement with a Braita. Her father and her husband can both undo the vow. Okay, that's standard in uh, any case. But here the Kesad is going to elaborate. Uh, it's going to present two cases. So she made it on the vow on a certain day when they were both alive. And the father heard about it. He annulled it. But the husband did not hear about it and he died. But on the very same day, she got re-engaged to a second groom, or even a hundred grooms, one after the other. So her father and the last groom can undo the vow. Right? That's exactly what Shemuel said. Okay, good. Now, this was talking about a case where um, uh, the father heard about it and the husband did not yet hear about it and he died. Um, so, and that was actually the exact words of Shemuel, um, which didn't specify whether he heard about it or not, right? That was the extension of the stam of the Gemara here. Okay, but so, so far this addresses only, this Baraita addresses only the case where the first groom did not hear about it. Um, but now we have a second case. Shama ba'ala veheferla veloi spika av lishmoa ad shemet ba'al. In this case, the the groom, the first groom, did hear about it, and not only that, he even nullified it. But the father didn't get a chance, and he didn't hear about it. And in the meantime, the husband died. Uh, so these, this last halacha is only the opinion of Bet Shammai. He says that when the husband hears, hears about it, he annuls it. But the father didn't annul it, and the husband died. In that case, the um, authority of the husband transfers fully over to the father, and the father then can exclusively annul it. Right? That father would have to annul it twice. The father would have to annul his own portion of it, and also would have to re-annul the husband's portion of it, even though the husband annulled it. But when the time, at the time that the husband annulled it was not in the same window of knowledge that of, of the father annulling it. So therefore, even though the husband annulled it, once he dies, um, that has to be redone, and and the authority completely transfers to the father. And yes, and he can the father alone can annul it according to Bet Shammai. Aval omrim en by Bet we saw this machloket already, right? And uh, in uh, previously, um, Bet Bet says a father cannot undo it, and if she doesn't get re reengaged, remarried that same day, then she that annul that vow will stick because the husband knew about it. And then he died, and the father didn't annul it at the same time while he was alive. Therefore, that authority to annul the marriage 
um, remains with the deceased husband and dies with him, and there, therefore there's nobody that can un annul that portion of the vow. And so the father cannot do it alone. However, Betilel would agree, that's the implication of, put the, of bringing this here, Betilel would agree that if she gets re-engaged to a second groom, then the authority of the first groom, who knew about it and died, will now transfer to the second groom. And now the second groom, along with the father, can annul the vow. So that's the chidush here. So Shemuel's full um, uh, opinion full statement that it applies to both cases, uh, at least uh, the way the Gemara here explains Shemuel, and Shemuel didn't specify, so that makes sense. So the fact that the second groom can nullify together with the father, whether the first groom knew or not, that fits with Betilel, who, um, who says, yeah, before, in, in between stage, after the first husband dies, before she gets engaged to the second guy, um, at that point, she's stuck. Um, because only the dead groom can do it. He remains the authority. The father doesn't get it. But if she gets re-engaged, then the second groom can grab it from his grave, so to speak, and he can do it. Okay. What is that the essence of their machloket? And we already saw this, these two explanations, but now we're going to apply it to the, this case where before we just said it where the first groom died and that was it. But now we're applying it to the, this case where she gets re-engaged re Kiddushin again to a second groom on the very same day. So here's how it works. Bet Shammai Sabedin Nedarim Name Shera'oi La'aros Nitrokena Lirshut Ha'av Umegaz Gaiz Bet Shammai thinks that vows even though uh, the first groom knew about it and therefore they, he was, he, 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 they were presented to him. He had authority over, uh, over them, the first groom. And when he dies, it gets fully transferred to the father. And uh, Bet Shammai thinks that it severs. When the first husband, uh, when he was alive, when he nullified the vow, he removes half, right? Uh, 50% um, of, uh, meaning 100% of his share. His share of the vow is half of it, and so he totally removes that half. And that means that the father retains fully his half. Now, when the groom dies, um, then that, that authority does transfer because it's strong that 50% that belonged to the father is still at 100%, uh, so to speak, of power. So uh, the father still has his authority over the vow and he gets the uh, authority from the deceased groom, which he has to do again. And because they both they both have to be done within the same window of knowledge, and therefore, um, when the groom dies, yes, it goes back to the father, and the father can do it. Whereas betilel sabre we said before that according to betilel, when the groom or the father alone nullify it, at that point, if only one of them does it. They reduce the power of the entire vow to 50%, right? That it's not that they reduce their share, half share, into zero, but rather they reduce all of it. Uh, remember, if there's two olives, then they'd both be only half pro prohibited. So there'll be no lashes, but still prohibited. Um, so because when the, when the first groom was alive and he nullified it, it reduces the whole thing to just half 
because of that, and then the groom dies, so now the now it cannot transfer to the father. It doesn't have enough power. It like barely ex- only half exists. So the father then does not have any access to the husband's um, to, to the husband's nullification, and it just remains with the husband in his grave. Uh, but even though that even though it's true that the father does not get the authority, if a second groom should come uh, come along, see it doesn't matter. It just has to be a groom, right? It doesn't matter if it's the same groom uh, that is the one that did it uh, the first time. As long as there is a groom, even if the first groom started the process, the second groom comes and he now he's a groom, so he is alive. He does the nullification again because it has to be the, within the same window. Of time as the father and the father and the second groom come and they can fully nullify that vow and so now we understand the um, the basis for the Mishnah and Shemuel's elaboration of the Mishnah and his derivation from a Pasuk and now we see that this is backed up by Betilel's opinion in the Baraita. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.